Hey everyone, before we get into the show, just a heads up, I launched this thing called the FitCast Network at FitCast.network that now has every one of the podcasts that I produce all in one place, including three brand new shows. On Monday, you're always going to get the FitCast. On Tuesday, you're going to get the FitCast Book Club every other week where I get together with someone else and we talk about all these great books that we're reading in the industry that we use to help ourselves and help others. And then on Wednesday, you're always going to get We Are Recording, a brand new show that is all about talking to interesting people and their amazing stories, how they got to where they are today. It's a really awesome freeform show that is still finding its way and I am recording more of those and it is just getting better every single time. And then every other Thursday, you're going to get FitCast Life Fuel, which is all about giving you what you need to be successful in the world. And sometimes that's just a little kick in the butt. Sometimes it's giving you the tools that you need to do something in video production or podcasting or in the fitness industry or just trying to make sure that whatever you want to do is a success and you have the motivation you need to make it happen. And then every Friday, you're going to get back in my play, which is all about old video games and the people that have made them and that are protecting their history. It's so much awesome stuff on the FitCast Network. And finally, you can probably tell, I've invested some money into some brand new audio equipment, so the show's going to sound even better going forward. So that is all from me. I hope you enjoy the show this week, and please go to FitCast.network, and then jump on iTunes, your favorite podcasting resource, and subscribe to all the new shows. Check them out. There's even a feed that has every single show. So you only need to download one feed and they'll automatically show up on your phone, your computer, however you listen to podcasts. Finally, the network is only going to be possible with the support of people like you by going to fitcast.network and supporting the show in a couple different ways. One, by making a one-time or a monthly donation via PayPal on the right-hand side. There's a tab for that. Becoming a Patreon supporter of either the FitCast or Back of My Play. Or whenever you go to Amazon, just think, go to fitcast.network first, click on the Amazon button on the upper right-hand side, and then that will send you right back to Amazon. And what they'll do is they'll just send a cut back to the FitCast network. You're still going to get the same great prices, all the same great service that you expect from amazon.com. It's one extra click, but that also helps support the show. So thank you so much for everything, and I hope you enjoy the show. Here it is. Hello, welcome back to the FitCast. My name is Kevin Larrabee, and back on the show, it's been a couple weeks, but she agreed to come back because we had a lot more to talk about. That's Georgie Fear. We have agreed to the second date. We have agreed because there was, like, I think we got through, like, one-third of what I wanted to talk about with you last time, and that's okay. And the second thing that I want to mention is that it's great to hear that hopefully the audience not only got to check out your book, Lean Habits, but they also got to, you know, go to the Facebook group and check out what you got going on over there because I've been checking it every day and you guys have a hell of a community over there. Oh, cool. I'm so glad you came by. Yeah. You know, um, so last weekend, my husband Roland and Josh Hillis and I, we were in San Diego for the Strength Matters Conference and mm-hmm. I had my birthday on Tuesday. And so Josh said, so what are you most proud of? for 2015 or the last year. Mm. And I said, the Lean Habits community. 
Yeah. Like more than the book, the community that has started because of the book is just unique and one of a kind. And, and I absolutely adore it. So, uh, yeah, I think that's the coolest thing that's happened to me in the last year. <laughs> well, happy birthday. Well, thank you. And congratulations on the big success, because this is, uh, I mean, this is, this is probably something that we'll end up talking about today, but, uh, as I mentioned before, we, we've been kind of going through some of the topics that you had uh, in the book, uh, Lean Habits, which, you know, first, if you've if you've kind of just like started listening to the show today for some reason, you should probably go back and listen to the previous episode that we did so you can then have context for what we're going to talk about today. And I would also recommend you don't have to, you know, be crazy and buy it on Kindle and the paperback like I did. And also it's like it's, it's like a weird hardcover book, not in a bad way. It's just it was the the binding's like really good on that book, so um, <laughs> that was that was cool to I guess as a surprise when I picked it up or when the nice UPS man delivered it. But uh, yeah, go go check out the book just because I think I think it's 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 going to be right at the top of my you know when you get that question it's like hey like I, I want to lose you know ten or what should I eat or what should I be do? like the questions that we all get from our friends and our family or just like even today on social media, like they hit you up and they ask you those questions. I'm just gonna be like, Hey, let's click on this link. Like there's three or four books that I do that for. And this is definitely going to be in that, that circle of books just because it covers so damn much, Georgie, you cover it like so much and you do such a great <laughs> job with it. So thank you for Thanks. putting that together. Um, okay. So where do I want to start today? So um, we talked Maybe we'll do a little bit of a recap. So we talked uh, about building habits and we talked about, you know, how to implement those habits to make sure that you can A, track them and B, make sure that you're you're sticking to them to lead to success. We talked a little bit about, you know, maybe looking at a uh, the idea of having three to four, you know, bigger meals a day and Perhaps like that whole strategy of, of grazing or having, you know, six smaller meals a day might not be best due to it not being very satisfying for people. So uh, with this show, maybe I think I'm going to kind of roll off of that last piece and ask you, what what about what do, what do you say to people who say, well, OK, I know you mentioned this in the book a little bit, but what what if I'm not a breakfast person? Is it OK to wait to 11 and not do like an intermittent fasting thing, like not like a only having an eight hour window for eating during the day, but is it just okay to, you know, wait? And maybe on some days I do more of a, like I eat my first meal at 11 a.m. or or noon just based on hunger. And then some days I eat at 8 a.m. Can I be flexible? Or do you think it's better for people to stick to more of not a regimen, but more of like a regularly scheduled, you know, eating habits for lack of a better term. Sure. Like, um, there's very few things which you could ask me and I'd say, no, that's not okay. <laughs> it's food. Right? Um, so if somebody's like totally happy with their body and their results and their energy level, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter to me when you eat. Um, however, if somebody's finding that they're having a hard if they're not thrilled with where they are, they want to change something because mm-hmm. your body's not going to spontaneously improve from you doing the same thing you've always done. So that leads to the question of like, what's the most important thing to work on? Mm-hmm. So if somebody's eating far past fullness, you know, they're just eating until they're gut bustingly full. They go to bed every night, have a hard time sleeping. They're tossing and turning because they feel bloated. 
you know, the timing of their breakfast is not the most crucial place to, to put their effort. Right. It would probably be on, you know, not eating until you're so full. Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, if somebody's eating lots of low nutrition foods, mm-hmm. lots of alcohol, fried food, sugars, desserts, donuts. Um, yeah, I wouldn't worry about changing the timing of your breakfast. I would, you know, look at that. That's going to be your biggest rock. It's going to give you the most, the most change for your, your effort. Um, if somebody's already feeling like, oh, I've got a lot of stuff dialed in, then it, it, I do think it has some benefit to achieve a regular meal pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, research studies have been, have been done and they show that even on the same calorie level, when people eat at predictable times of day, so like just consistency, you know, not having two huge meals one day and eight tiny meals the next day, or eating early one day and late the next day, if you eat more or less regularly, your body actually gets better at producing uh, an appropriate insulin response and managing those calories so people have better fat loss results. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's value to it. Is it going to be the most important thing? No. And can people succeed even if they don't eat within an hour of waking up? Sure. Um. And this is this is so I can make sure I ask some of the, the listener questions before I continue to ask mine for the next hour. But uh, Roland Denzel, longtime friend and yeah. listener of the show. And obviously, man, that guy's been just kicking butt for a long time and what he's been doing. But he asked on Facebook, um, how do you convince the subconscious doubters not to try too much too soon? The people, I guess, is what he's saying who want to set too many goals too fast because they think, you know, they either want to go in like 150% or they just are too impatient to wait for the other stuff. Sure. Uh, That's a good question. When you said unconscious doubters, I was thinking like people that doubt themselves. And I was thinking they never take on too much. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, if somebody kind of doubts the utility of, you know, how effective is it to work one habit at a time? Often we can, I don't have to convince them. I can simply ask some questions about their past history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, a person's own experience, like what happened when you tried to do the, the whole lifestyle makeover in 2008 and 2009 and again in 2009 <laughs> and in 2011 and then in 2012. So how has that worked for you? Mm-hmm. You know, what hasn't worked about it? You know, generally people will have, you know, a high level of consistency with their desired plan or program, and then it, it fades. So if that's this person's experience, then, you know, we can talk about why that happens. And it's because it takes effort to, you know, I mean, we all have a finite amount of effort. We're not going to, you know, be able to sprint forever, and we're not going to be able to control our food habits with a a large degree of willpower forever. Mm. So if things are becoming automatic, then the effort level doesn't continue. It actually decreases. So the idea is you do one thing until it becomes really easy. And then it kind of drops off of your conscious radar. And then you add another one. And then when that one becomes really easy, you add another one. And so you never have to you know, put forth gargantuan, unsustainable amounts of effort, but it also doesn't require a continual input of effort to keep it going. Um, and if somebody wants to do multiple habits at once, 
that's perfectly fine. And there's the other programs for them. And I'll still be here doing my thing uh, when they want to try one habit at a time. <laughs> I'm very happy to let people do the, you know, experiment with what works for them. And many people like the idea of one habit at a time after they've had 30 runs at, you know, hmm. six habits at a time. Do you, do you find like that is a one of like, do you find that you're, you're challenged by a lot of inpatient people when you're trying to help them? I think people uh, recognize their own impatience as a challenge to their success. Mm. So I don't view it like it's me against the client. I mm-hmm. kind of view it like, you know, the client and I are on the same team here. Right. We want the same thing. We want them to be happy and healthful, healthy and not have to, you know, have a white knuckling effort level to do it. And that we're together going to deal with some hurdles and one of them is going to be impatience. Mm. It's just part of the, the game. So when people get impatient, we talk about, you know, it, it takes time to gain weight, it takes time to lose weight, but we can improve our habits incrementally every day. You know, if you're, if you're eating three meals a day, you've got more than a thousand practice sessions every year. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of opportunities to practice. And, you know, even in a given week, if you're eating 21 meals, that's, that's a lot of practice sessions. So, um, so we try and look for the behavioral improvements and not just hold our breath until the scale moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I also like to you know, draw people's attention to their non-scale victories. Like, oh, I'm feeling more relaxed around food, I notice. Mm. Or I'm, I have more free time and more energy to play with my kids now that I'm not engaged in so much meticulous you know, food weighing and packaging. So, you know, we can start enjoying those things right as of day one. Mm-hmm. So that helps, that helps a lot for our, I think we all have a, a streak of impatience within us. So we focus on the, the immediate deliverables. How do you, uh, how do you like to, I guess the best way I can phrase this is how do you address the, the failures of, of clients? How do you address, because I mean, first off, like the initial failure, but people that continue to, to see failure because I know, you know, these habits and, and these guidelines are going to help a lot of people get down the path that they want to be going. But, you know, there, there are still going to be those, those clients or those people that you're trying to help that, um, that, that are just a little bit more challenging. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure there's people out there listening who are, who have tried a bunch of things. They may have even picked up the book and they've, they found like, even they're, they're still like having challenges and they're still seeing failure what, what, what do you tell them? So it sounds like we got a couple different questions. You know, one might be like the acute episode of the day where you didn't do your habit. Yeah, Georgie, just so you know, I'm the king of asking 14 questions in one long run-on sentence. Oh, good. I, you know, I used to do that. And then when my clients would go, uh, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you did it again. You machine gun questioned them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still working on being a good host. It's it's taken 10 years. Hopefully in year 11, it's going to actually come together. <laughs> Don't worry. I think I got it. Um, so with the acute thing, and, and I don't, I hesitate to call it a failure for probably obvious reasons, the, the emotional mud that it stirs up. Um, but if you set an intention and your action does not match your intention, so you, you plan to stop eating when you're satisfied, and by the end of the meal, you're gut-bustingly full when you put your fork down. So you did not do what you intended to do. I don't really view it as a failure as much as it's going to sound trite. It's a learning opportunity, and it's going to 
help us to record as much as we can from those and to blame as little as we can for those. Because blame really has no purpose in helping us change our behavior. You know, making ourselves feel bad. It's my fault. And that just, that just adds in extraneous ethical stuff that we don't need. Right. So, so usually I'll say like, okay, so let's look at the times that you did meet your intention. Mm-hmm. And let's look at the times where you didn't and look for patterns. Like many times we'll notice, you know, it's dinners where you're, you're struggling to meet that intention. Mm-hmm. What's working at breakfast and lunch? Let's look for where the problem isn't happening. Oh, so you've got a real time crunch in the morning with breakfast. You got to get out the door. So that kind of helps you or with lunch, your food's prepackaged. So there's not an excessive portion in front of you. Mm-hmm. Now, what can we learn from those that could help us succeed with dinner? So it's really just like, you know, life throws all different sorts of eating situations at us. And mm-hmm. if somebody has one where the challenges overwhelmed their ability, that's fine. I mean, we've all picked a weight up off the rack and thought we could lift it. We couldn't. It just, you know, kind of helps you see where you're at. And, you know, we keep working toward the greater challenges. So on a more chronic level, if somebody feels like they're just failing as in not having success with the entire system, um, there's a, f- a few things that can go on. I mean, one is no client has a straight, smooth line mm-hmm. from, you know, start to end, you know, unhappy and overweight and unhealthy at the beginning and then shiny, happy, and then <laughs> after, you know, that doesn't happen to anybody. It's always bumpy. Mm-hmm. It's always got backtracks. It's always got, you know, the habits that were easier for us and the habits that were harder for us. It's got, um, you know, that's why we have coaches because we know mm-hmm. that, having support from someone else is especially crucial in those tough moments. It's also really handy to have somebody else with you because they can say, Hey, remember that easy patch that you had? Mm -hmm. That is as normal as this is. And this is as normal as that is. It's just part of the, part of the deal here. We're not in cruise control. You know, we're going to speed up and slow down and speed up and slow down. Um, so with, you know, my clients personally, that can be handy to remind them that it's part of the game to have greater struggle at some areas. Mm-hmm. If somebody's just doing these habits on their own, a lot of times I'll get, I'll, I'll get insight into their situation from the Facebook group. And I love when people reach out and they're like, I think I'm stuck with this. And they'll get ideas from other people because the odds are you're not the only person that's gotten stuck there. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes you just need a different solution or a different way to approach it. And that can help you get unstuck with the habit that you're stuck on. Sometimes it's an order thing. You know, I, one of the things that stinks about writing a book that individuals are going to use is that you have to put the pages in the same order in everyone's book. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, we'll tell people like, you know, if you read the emotional eating chapter, that may help you more than, than hitting this rock that you keep hitting with habit three. Mm-hmm. Why don't you read the emotional eating chapter and then come back to habit three? Um, so sometimes it's, it's just interspersing a different skill coming at it from a different angle. And we're definitely going to hit on like the emotional eating chapter. I think that's going to be a major thing to, to hit on. Um, maybe, maybe this is somewhat related because I wanted to talk to you about uh, the refeed mindset and, you know, the, the idea that I've had a great six days, day seven, I'm free time to time to go to the store, see what's uh, see what's good, load up the cart, go home eat a bunch and then spend the rest of the day sleeping. Uh, so 
what what are your thoughts uh what are your thoughts on like the refeed mindset and um you know is is that some is that a tactic that people should be using especially if they're if they have a history of overeating or you know using it as an uh, a chance to uh do some emotional eating because it may just be a case of them rationalizing or something like that. Totally. I mean, I think you probably, I could tell from your, your posing of it that you have some reservations about this sort of method. Well, I, I think, okay, this is me taking a step back. Like sure. And, and again, this is, this is one person and like going back to like 2008, Georgia, you're talking to someone who's been doing this crap for 10 years and that's tried just about everything because, you know, I was 20, you know, back, yeah. back then. So, you know, trying things like the, um, uh, uh, I can't even remember the diet, the diet where you have like 30 grams of carbohydrates a day. Um, Atkins? No, it's not, not Atkins. It's a ketogenic diet. Okay. So oh, okay. It's sort of like the ketogenic diet and then having, you know, that, that two day refeed and having it just be an absolute disaster. And, um, I think, I think what I've seen with, with people that I've worked with and even myself is there seems to be, it it may not be the healthiest way to look at food. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. I I think it just messes people up. I have a, a subset of clients that are binge eaters that started binging on body for life. Mm. This is not an individual. This is dozens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that program <laughs> specifically got a lot of people started with binge eating because it almost instructs you to binge eat. Well, what, what's the setup? Because that was that was surprisingly before. I, I think that was that would have been like two thousand and like two or two thousand and one. Body for Life was was really big. Yeah, I don't I don't even know exactly when, but I, I know the idea is that you have a a free day or a cheat day. Right. And people just go. Is that what popularized up. it? Was it Body for Life that was that that lit that lit the fuse to the dynamite of the refeed day for people that got yeah. it stuck in your like in popular culture? I mean, it was on The Office, like Michael Scott. It's like <laughs> um, this is a refeed day, or it's like this is my cheat meal, or whatever, or something like that. Like it made its way into pop culture where we saw it in movies and TV, and not just in the issues of like men's health or women's health or you know, in our circle of, of fitness right. and nutrition. I, it may have been, I'd say, I'd say body for life was one of the pioneers of, uh, renaming binge eating as a <laughs> cheat day, mm. free day or refeed, which makes it sound humorously productive. Yeah. It sounds like it is functional. A, yeah. It sounds like it totally is going to be a, an accessory to my success and not a, a detriment. Yeah, it, it absolutely does not aid people in any way, shape, or form um, to do that to themselves. It slows your progress. Having a, a large calorie excess one day when you've been in uh, a deficit is one of the worst ways to structure your energy intake if you want to retain your lean mass mm-hmm. because you can't use 3,000 extra calories to build lean mass. Whereas if you have you know 100 extra calories around for a day, you can conceivably use those for your lean mass gains. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing it does for people is it provides a relief from the complete restriction of dieting. Mm. So you know, I, when I was working at a gym, somebody said to me, uh, so I don't know, insert some compliment here. You look, you look great. How often do you do your cheat days? Mm. And I was like, I don't. 
<laughs> They're like, what do you mean? And I said, I eat well every day. Mm-hmm. End of story. Like, I don't, I don't view what I'm doing every day as something that's so unpleasant that I need a break from it. Mm-hmm. Because if I, if I want a chocolate chip cookie, I'm going to eat a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. So there's no point in having a cheat day because I can have what I want every other day of the week. Mm-hmm. This is the same dilemma I run into with my birthday every single year. <laughs> Everybody's like, what are you going to do for your birthday? I'm like, same thing I do every day. Eat whatever the hell I want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, and I think, I know I'm probably going to misquote Brian Cron, but I think he had like a good thing is like, you know, refeeds or should be like a last result. And, uh, you know, the, the just the natural process of controlled eating is going to be what's going to get you to your goal. It should be that should be the daily practice is like normal eating habits. Yeah. When people want like a Georgie, give me the sound bite. How what should I do for treats or what should I do with the, the beer and the French fries? I was like, OK, 10 uh, percent of your calories every day. Yeah. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> it's really quite straightforward. If you say, okay, you 2,000 calories a day, okay, make you know, about 200 of them coming from complete and utter crap is not going to hold back your results. In fact, letting yourself have 200 calories of chocolate or whatever you enjoy will probably save you compared to the 1,000 calorie, you know, breakfast that you're having on your cheat day, followed by the 3,000 calorie lunch and dinner. Yeah, you're being very generous with that 1,000 calorie breakfast. Like you can go yeah, to know. an IHOP and you can you can rack up the numbers if you're getting the side of bacon. Like that's the thing. I haven't, sure. had, I haven't gone out for breakfast in like 10 years, but I'm sure it could be an absolute disaster. So um, let's let's take a step back for a second because, you know, we take those 200 calories and we – I'm not saying – I'm not saying the statement was you take 200 calories a day and devote that to something that will help you indulge a little bit, whether it be, you know, like a two dark chocolate squares or having, uh, you know, whatever, a half a cup of ice cream or something like that. Um, do you, do you think, do you, do you have to kind of like identify the people where that kind of advice may be a slippery slope? Is that the same kind of like emotional eater, in, in binge eater kind of crowd where you need to kind of almost worry about that? Or is that something that's a really good practice for them to have to build up a tolerance to say, yeah, I can have 200 calories and stop. Sure. Um, well, it's, I've never had a problem with it mm-hmm. to be honest. So, uh, I guess that leads me to go, you know, why doesn't it become a problem? Um, usually what people are doing is they're not being that liberal Mm. ethic like emotionally they're not allowing themselves to have 200 calories of just fun right right they're saying no 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 i'm bad 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 but they're doing it anyway mm-hmm. if they're not doing it daily then they're doing it in large amounts on the weekend so i guess my method is drag it out into the sunlight because it's okay mm-hmm. like if you do it within you know a reasonable portion size and it fits your overall energy budget you know, uh, a qualitative difference is not going to make, uh, like in it, if you're talking only 10% of your calories coming from lower quality foods, it's not going to make a large difference in terms of your appetite satisfaction. It's not going to make a large difference in terms of your health risk. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my goal is not just to get people thin and loving what they see in the mirror. I, I also feel in a moral obligation to help them reduce their cancer risk and risk of yeah. heart disease. So yeah, if you eat 2,000 calories and it's all, you know, 
okra and Brussels sprouts and boneless, skinless chicken breast, that's totally fine. But it's not any healthier than eating 2,000 calories where 90% of it is skinless chicken breast and vegetables and 10% of it is Pop-Tarts or whatever it is that really you enjoy. So liberalizing it and letting people have a modest portion of it, Mm -hmm. they often find like that is what they need to get rid of the eat it all now mindset because they know they can have it again tomorrow. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. let's, let's talk, let's talk about the, the still controversial topic of carbohydrates. Um, and with this, I guess the best way to set it up is that there are still fitness professionals, people out there that believe that the only, or that the, the, the way that you're going to lead to fat loss success is with a low carbohydrate diet, because some people just cannot control their carbohydrate intake it is a path to the dark side of, of nutrition for, for people. So um, in the book, you, you, you mentioned a lot like this is like carbohydrates, you know, there is a place for them, but they got to be, they don't have to be, but they should be strategically placed. All right. And based on the goals and what you're trying to accomplish within, and the way that I like how you put it is like you kind of like put it in the concept, context of your training and your goals um, and then bringing that stuff up and. Uh, you, you mentioned, and this is, see, I haven't, I haven't just read 18 paragraphs of your book like I did last time. I'm trying to do a better job of not doing that this time. <laughs> um, but you say uh, adding a serving of starchy food uh, like bread, oats, or quinoa to a post-workout meal may contribute to an extra one to 200 calories, but prevent you from falling into the quote, I earned this thinking that leads to eating 500 calories of popcorn that evening. So uh, as my, as my alarms go off. Um, but with, with that, I guess, how, how'd you like to, to go about talking about carbohydrates with people? And maybe you can also give some advice to other trainers out there, people who go up with that client or talk to that client who says strictly, Oh, I do really bad with the carbohydrates. Well, I think that the, the key starting point there is where is your client right now? Mm-hmm. Because that's pretty important. <laughs> you know, some people um, will have a relatively easy time reducing their carbohydrates. So that can be the most advantageous place to get a calorie deficit going. So if it helps somebody and it's doable, then, you know, sure. I don't think you need a low carbohydrate diet. And I think the, the costs outweigh the benefits for most people. But if it's working for somebody, hey, fine, go ahead. Um, personally, I find that some people are eating excess carbohydrates. And so when we start emphasizing more protein, more vegetables, we get a moderate amount of fat, not real high, not real low. It kind of takes care of them. The carbs kind of take care of themselves because we're practicing getting hungry and stopping at full. And there's only so much room here, right? So like we've constrained all the other sides. Mm-hmm. If you're waiting until you're hungry and stopping when you're full, then you've got the, the total meal quantity defined. Mm-hmm. And then if you're you know, filling it with protein and vegetables and fruit, and <laughs> it's only the, the portion that's left for carbs shrinks. Um, but we do get to it. Um, and then we kind of look at, okay, so if somebody wants to lose more weight, they want to decrease calories, starchy carbs may be the best place to do it if you're concerned that eating a little less is going to leave you too hungry mm-hmm. because they contribute the least in terms of ongoing satisfaction. 
if somebody's highly active or they're just plain having signs already that they're not getting enough carbohydrates, then we definitely don't want to reduce them. So uh, the signs are, and I think it's bullet pointed in the book, but if somebody's not having enough carbohydrates, then they'll usually have you know decreased workout performance. They're not feeling terribly energetic. Um, they'll feel gassed, like especially in the later sets. Mm-hmm. Like your your first set feels fine, and then all of a sudden, you know, second and third set, you're just got nothing left in the tank. Um, and sometimes poor quality sleep can be another kind of red flag that somebody's just not having enough carbohydrates to support their activity level. Yeah. So with if that's the case and somebody still needs to keep reducing calories to see weight loss, then I would say keep your carbs in there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, high quality carbs from whole foods tend to be the most filling. Um, so most of them we'd like to see from whole grains or potatoes. And again, only about 10% of foods coming from the, the Pop-Tart and Skittles <laughs> area. Um, but adding in those complex carbohydrates can help somebody feel a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. And we can get... Um, a calorie decrease from looking at the fat, from looking at the alcohol, or looking if their protein portions are oversized. Okay, I'm going to try to see. Okay, so this is, again, this is from my personal experience, but I, I was kind of like always the, the I was, I mean, for a long time, I was kind of like not, not an anti-carb person, but it was like, all right, well, I got this window, Georgie. I got this window around my training, and that's basically where they're going to live, and you know, I did pretty good job with that in the last like year or so. I've been training roughly first thing in the morning and did more of like a branching amino acid thing. But uh, over the last couple of weeks, I switched to uh, this stuff. What's it called? Um, God, I can't remember. It's like a it's like a higher protein chocolate milkshake, but made from, and I can, I have it right in front of me, core power, high protein milkshake. They are not a sponsor. It's just a nice product. It's from grass fed, uh, cattle. And, uh, it's basically a high protein chocolate milkshake with a little bit of carbohydrates, a little bit of protein. And just from the last couple weeks, severe improvement in training. And I think the question, the reason why I'm bringing that up is that, um, like, do you think, like, we, we have these kind of guidelines, but to uh, a certain extent, you almost need to kind of just go through some troubleshooting with people to, to see what works better. Because I know there's, you know, the people that love to train on an empty stomach, like, I've found that's, that I can't do that first thing in the morning. I'm just, I don't have the energy to do it, even with the maximum amount of caffeine. Most people perform better if they have some carbohydrates beforehand, especially if they're coming off an overnight fast. Mm. Um, but again, it's one of those things like if somebody's just die hard, I love my fasted training, and you have the body you want, don't change anything. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, if you want to change or improve something, then you want to you want to find the most effective change. And you know, for a lot of people, adding in some carbohydrates before their workout really goes a long way toward improving the quality of the training they can do. And if you can get more volume training and more high, you know, intensity into that volume, you, you improve. Well, we are, we're like 30 minutes into this program. So I want to, uh, quickly, and I can't believe it's already been 30 minutes, but, um, this is going to be a reminder. One of the ways that you can support the show 
is by just buying stuff through Amazon.com. And literally by going to Amazon and buying the stuff that you would regularly buy, but just first going to thefitcast.com and clicking on the Amazon Fitcast page on the upper right-hand corner, like that one extra step, that extra one second gets the Fitcast uh, a little bit. One cent. Yeah, well, kind of, sort of. Like, I think it's like like I get 30 cents for a book or 50 cents for a book, but... Oh, welcome. You're an author now. Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> like too. I'm a co-writer, um, but I only work on you know I don't know. Anyways, the the whole point of this like in show commercial is to a you know give you another opportunity to go check out Lean Habits and see. The thing is, right now I'm recording this a little bit ahead of time, so I can't. It's not one of those things I can't guarantee this price for the next 24 hours. But the book's still 16 bucks, which is what it was the last time that we talked. So, man. Go spend $60. It's $11 on the Kindle. Or you could be the crazy nut job that I am and spend $27 and get it on both Kindle and the hardcover. So, uh, And if anybody's not happy with it, like seriously, I'll give you your money. <laughs> you, know, you know what I did? And, and this, is, this is like not inside baseball thing, but I, I don't think I told you this. I, I work at Mike Ball's Ranting and Conditioning. I believe it is the number one gym in the country. Come at me if you if you can bring something otherwise. I think we have the best staff in the world. We have great programs for adults and athletes and um, somewhat biased. But I emailed our staff and said, hey, check out this book. And this is like this was interesting coming off of uh, a, a nutrition talk that we had in, in one of our staff meetings. You told uh, me about it. <laughs> okay, I did. And I, and I basically said, uh, all right, I want – if uh, here's the link for the book. I didn't even use an affiliate link. I said, this book's $16. What I want you to do is pick up this book. You read it. You tell me. You tell me if you if it's not worth $16, I'll give you $17 for that book. I'll buy it back off you, okay? And then you can have your $17. And two things. One, you get to learn who's really invested in themselves and the people that they're working with. Or it may just be, you know, some people value my advice more than others. But, you know, not everyone goes and buys the book, which is basically going to be a free book. They could have just said, they could have lied, said they didn't like it, gotten a free book. But the people that did pick it up really loved it. So sweet. that's that's what it's all about. And that's how much like, again, I haven't sold a book this damn hard in, in a while. And it's because of the content it is so, so good. And uh, people should go and check it out. And it's like $16 is $0. $11 is $0 in the world of, of information today. So um, go and check it out. And if anyone from my ball strength and conditioning is listening, you didn't pick up the book. You should probably go buy the book because <laughs> come on guys, like we're supposed to be leading the way in this stuff. Um, you, could, you could totally walk your clients through it too. Like there's no licensing involved here. Like, <laughs> right. And it's, it's, it's literally a case of, and I even did the same thing. Like I took a, uh, I took a picture of the, the table of contents because we were talking about this other table of contents in our, in our staff meeting and, and stuff like that. And I said, all right, like this is, I think this is the attitude that we should have about nutrition at our gym. And, you know, again, it's like, it's like any business, you know, we have 30 coaches or whatever, 25 coaches. Not everyone is going to be on the same page with this stuff, but hopefully 
you know, enough of them picked it up and, you know, went through it or at least looked at the three images that I attached to the email and said, oh, okay, now I, yeah, this makes sense. And, uh, now if not, that's, I'm not the boss. So, you know, we can't <laughs> force people to read these books. And well, I appreciate uh, the support and your recommendation a ton. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully more people will pick it up. So if it's, uh, it's, it's that damn good, but, um, okay, well, let's talk about, let's talk about, let's talk about food. So we're talking about whole food and, uh, making sure that we're getting like you mentioned like protein bars and, and, and things like that, not being like super filling, you should get whole foods. And, um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be that guy that's like, I have no time. Like, how am I supposed to make, you know, four meals a day? I don't have time to do that. I need to have, I'm in between clients and all I got is my protein shaker. So I shake up my protein shaker and eat an apple. Like that's what I can do. Um, what do you say to those people? Well, usually people realize that if they're only eating three or four times a day, that a protein shake or an apple is just not going to cut it. Mm. Not enough calories. Yeah, you need a substantial meal. Um, So it saves a lot of time, usually compared to what people are doing, Mm. just to reduce the the mini meals and the the stuff that you're using to bridge you from your small breakfast to your small lunch or your small lunch to your small dinner. So... um, you know, using whole foods or eating mostly whole foods, because just like the, the junk food thing that we mentioned before, like it's okay to have some processed food. It's mm-hmm. not going to poison you or kill you. It's just about mostly, like if most of your food uh, qualifies as homemade or, you know, made by someone else that's a person and not a assembly line factory, <laughs> you're doing all right. You're doing all right. Like, I, I don't expect people to be like baking their own bread and, you know, soaking dry lentils i'm op- i'm opening cans of beans over here so <laughs> do whatever you want to do um so you don't have to take it to the extreme um mm. but on the go people like i'm busy you you bet yeah. <laughs> um sandwiches are a wonderful thing a lot of people are like oh i've totally forgotten you can eat sandwiches because they've been demonized that like like bread like yes bread Get your whole grain bread, put some lunch meat, some mustard, some cheese, some lettuce, tomato, and lunch. Mm. Awesome. <laughs> um, what else works in a jiffy? I mean, doing a shake or a blender meal, if you get enough stuff in it and it keeps you full for one meal a day, that's that's totally a, a time-saving thing that a lot of people do. But, Georgia, I'm going to tell you, the, the go-to, uh, I have a Vitamix, and Vitamixes are, are Yeah, dope. me too. Um, and... I'm going to say, again, not a sponsor of the show, but I had a Blendtec for a while. Thing broke down. Support I got from them, not super great. Uh, so they lost a customer after fighting with me through phone calls and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, you guys, just send me a new base. They sent me a new like blender top or I guess like the, the mixing container and not like the motor after my motor oh, no. smelled like burning plastic. and. They sent me that. And I'm like, you guys, I'm not waiting another week. I'm not fighting through all this stuff. You know what? I went to Vitamix.com and I got a refurbished one for like 300 bucks or 350 or something like that. And I took the uh, Blendtec out back and I drop kicked it. And uh, I didn't drop kick it. Those things are super heavy, but I got rid of it. And the the Vitamix has been just absolutely badass. Like it's uh, it's really great. So. You throw some kale in, some spinach. You can, and this is my process part, I get some uh, some vanilla veggie protein from MRM, really good stuff, and 
some some chia seeds, some strawberries, some frozen strawberries, for, frozen blueberries. Mix that thing up. You're full for a long ass time, and you get a ton it's of nutrition. Too. Yeah. Yeah, it's super good. Yeah, all sorts of combinations of fruits and veggies and vanilla protein are pretty palatable. Yeah, yeah, and too palatable. So, so that I mean, that takes me. It's it's my come home from the gym thing after I'm done coaching. Come home from the gym, a little tired. So, take up. This is even better in the summer. It's a little bit harder in the winter when it's freezing, but you get that in the summer. A nice like smoothie that's really cold and super filling after a long day that takes literally five minutes, including cleanup, to make. Rocks out. Yeah. yeah, totally. There's lots of fast ways to eat well. Um, you know, if people say they they don't have time, it's just not high on their priority list, which is totally cool. Mm. If your priority list is, you know, doing other things with the same 24 hours in the day that the rest of us have, party on. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to, maybe I'll, I'll jump in and let's talk. I mean, there's actually a couple of things I want to talk about, but let's, this may be a good opportunity to talk about sleep because, um, I've, I've always personally fought back with, depending on the book that I'm reading about Working all through the night. Working if it's that important, you're not gonna like the Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm gonna sleep one hour a night and just like you know do it because that's what I need to do to get it done. Versus what seems to be way more beneficial is like, all right, well, you know what, you got to get eight hours of sleep. So guess what, you have a 16 hour day. You don't have a, a 20 hour day. Get what you need to get done in 16 hours, and you know what, don't think that you need to spend 20 hours work smarter and do in 16 hours what you normally do in 20 hours try to be more efficient instead of thinking that it's just like the badge of honor and i'm not saying that's what gary's saying or any people are saying it's like that's the badge of honor of working but totally people people brag about their exhaustion i and know their sleep deprivation but- and it's it's like the real world equivalent of puking in the bucket at crossfit like this is not something to be proud of i know i know i'm just trying to be this is okay. You get also. I'm like the Jimmy Fallon of fitness talk shows, where I'm trying to keep everyone super happy, and I right. try not to be <laughs> not try not to cause controversy. But what what I'm trying to say is like, you know, work smarter, not harder. And by the way, on the Lean Habits book page on Amazon.com, and I think I'm partially responsible for this because I bought this book like a couple days after buying your book. Smarter, faster, better is. Uh, linked right below the book as a recommended and it's a fantastic book go check it out cool who's that by uh that's by charles uh dunnig i think is how you pronounce his his last name um super oh the power of habit guy yes yeah yeah i think Um, it's too big but yeah i'm not sure either yeah i'm sorry charles um but yeah it's it's really really good book a good audible book and uh another one of those things that i bought on audible and on kindle because uh, that's how I roll. It's a really good way of taking notes. But what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say, uh, so Georgie, sleep is important. Yeah. <laughs> Sleep's important and it's it's tough to make time for it. Nobody's just like, yeah, I have hours of the day to burn. So, do you um, have to convince people? Do you have clients who are like the, the five hour, six hour a night sleepers who you have to kind of like talk them into sleeping more? Because I... Oh, yeah. I oh, hate yeah. sleep. I hate doing it. But <laughs> I, I know I have to. I think it's a huge waste of time. If I didn't need to sleep, I'd rather do more stuff than spend more time in dreamland. But, uh, yeah, what do, you do? what do you do when you're working with those people and you're needing to, like, convince them? Well, we usually talk about the benefits 
because mm. you know I'm not I'm not here to you know sway anybody. But if you let <laughs> if you let somebody know what the bene- the costs and benefits are to their behaviors, mm-hmm. then they can choose according to their own values. So for me personally, it helps me to get my butt in bed when I consider that I will be hungrier the following day than I actually need. Ah, yeah. Like if you think of your body as when it's optimally working, your appetite is really well calibrated for Mm -hmm. your energy needs. And I love that feature. (laughs) Like this is the coolest feature possibly that I had installed is that I, I don't have to count calories anymore. I've been there, done that, spent Mm -hmm. a decade. Um, like I can actually just kind of tune into the signals here and maintain a very lean, very healthy, happy body weight. Mm-hmm. I love it. I don't want to mess with it. And if you short yourself on sleep, you're messing with that system. You're making yourself hungrier than is appropriate for your energy needs. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to do that? Like I don't need an uphill battle. So for me, keeping my appetite in check is one of the, the really favorable things. I also like to think about the impacts of stress hormones on the body. Yes. Without giving, you know, getting into biochemistry here, a lot of stuff happens if you're underslept hormonally that I would prefer to not have happen. So I find that these reasons are, you know, rationally appealing. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody saying you really should get eight hours is like absolutely non effective or non convincing <laughs> for me. Because telling me you should do something has worked never. Mm-hmm. You got to give me reasons and let me make my own decision. And so that's, that's basically the way I treat everybody. Like, I'm going to give you some evidence. I'm going to give you some knowledge. I'm going to point out some things you may not have noticed. And then you're going to decide what to do as a free-willed adult. And, you know, a lot of people do decide, like, that they want to at least try and test drive life with more sleep. Mm-hmm. And I always point out, if it's not as good, you can go back. You can always go back to sleeping five hours a night. But if we get two weeks and you can see what life is like when you're sleeping more, at least you've got information to make an informed choice. Yeah, I think I think my battle with it, because I just love drinking coffee so much, like I like the the feeling of being tired than not being tired. Sure. <laughs> how okay. dumb how dumb is that? But like the the jolt of like that mid afternoon coffee where I'm starting to feel like a little sleepy. I have that coffee and then I'm incredibly productive for the next ninety minutes. But um, I'm jealous, man, because it doesn't even work on me anymore. It yeah, it, it, it's I see. I cold brew. I'm one of those people that I cold brew my coffee at home with this like twelve dollar plastic thing, and um, <laughs> it allows me to make super concentrated coffee. Oh, wow. And uh, that allows me to uh, really have it be super effective. It's like having espresso, but made out of the Dunkin' Donuts coffee that was on sale at Target last week. Cool. Uh, so yeah, it's great. Cool. Okay, so we we have about fifteen minutes, so I want to take this time to talk about uh, emotional eating. Uh, Let's do and, it. And this is this is uh, number fourteen in the book, Lean Habit Number Fourteen, uh, or I guess the um, the accessory habit, conquering emotional eating. And I think this is, this may be the biggest for, for, for a lot of people. So the way that I would like to ask you about this is, uh, what, what is classified as emotional eating? Could that also be 
like for you know, me, I'm, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, so I'm really low on energy. So I, or I'm like bored. So you know what's fun? Uh, eating food. So I'm gonna go do that instead. Would that fall under the same category? So I guess that's question number one. And then let's get into how to help people with with that with that uh, I guess obstacle. Sure. Um- you could define emotional eating a lot of different ways. But the most encompassing definition would be, you know, any eating that's not driven by hunger. So um, some experts use the term hedonic eating, but that just confuses people. So I stay away from it. Um, but basically you have homeostatic eating, which is, you know, eating to <laughs> fill your energy needs and hedonic eating, which is everything else. Um, generally, I find that earlier in most clients' journeys, I certainly don't, I usually don't start people like, all right, let's talk about your emotional eating and start there. We usually start with other things like, because you know, you're in a, a new relationship. They don't know me. They may not want to open up about their feelings right off the bat. So we'll take it sometimes just right from let's try and eat only when you're hungry. And so that's going to clarify the times that you're eating because you're hungry. And then these other times, what's going on? So two of the, the categories that I talk about earlier in the book in chapter two are procrastinating, which is eating to procrastinate, and entertainment, yes. which is eating because you're bored or eating because you just always associate it with other forms of entertainment, like watching TV or you always get M&Ms at the movies. Mm-hmm. So those two, I'd say they're like the, the stepping stones of emotional eating, because if you're having those, it's fairly clear and discreet and easy to recognize, okay, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm bored. It's also not too tough to find something else to do because you're bored. It's like, oh, if you just need something to occupy you, we, we can get a movie or turn on a video game or you know, jump on Facebook or shop on the internet or go for a walk. There's lots of stuff we can do for bored. Procrastinating is also fairly easy. You can procrastinate picking your toenails. It doesn't like you could do anything to procrastinate if you're hell bent on it. So I don't try and get people to stop procrastinating. There's mm-hmm. plenty of books on that, but we just talk about doing something else to procrastinate instead of eating. Cause in terms of your weight control, that's the only thing that's working against you. So those two are, are earlier in the book and typically earlier in a client relationship mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll cover those. But as you and I and most of the listeners probably know, there's a whole basket of other heavier, messier emotions that can lead to eating. Mm-hmm. And so those tend to be a bit more personal. We keep them a bit closer to, to our chest. And that would be eating because we're sad, because we're lonely, because we feel like it's the only enjoyment in our entire day. And it's the thing we want most when all day long we feel like we're shortchanging ourselves and not having exactly what we want. It's kind of me time. I deserve this. Right. Um, so it's not just pleasure. It's entitlement and payback for all of these self-sacrificial things we've done earlier. Right, right. Um, so as it, it starts getting into those kind of deeper, murkier layers, it, it's, it's obviously very individual. You know, my emotional eating won't be the same as someone else's emotional eating. Um, I discovered when I started having back issues that physical pain made me want to eat like ridiculously strong, but I've never had trouble with, uh, I don't know, busyness. Like I kind of thrive off of being busy. So that's not an issue, but if I have a backache, I'm just fighting the snack, snack attack all day. Um, so everyone's very individual. So when I, 
went about trying to write a chapter on what I do with people, I had to kind of systematize it. And the recurring theme is that we have to get in touch with what we are actually feeling because the, the evolution of an emotional eating habit starts with, you know, it starts with, we feel an emotion and then we use food to reduce our experience of that emotion. But once you've done this, you know, time and time and time again, it often kind of warps to the point where people are using food to avoid feeling the emotion. Mm-hmm. So the emotion isn't even getting felt all that much anymore. It's more like the thing that triggered the emotion is now just triggering the food, triggering us to start eating. So there's usually a fair amount of uh, work to be done in knowing what you're feeling. And you have to kind of take the food away to let yourself figure out what you're feeling. So as is my approach in all things, I'm very gentle. And so I just like, like people to kind of gently ask themselves, like, what am I feeling? Am I feeling something physical? Am I feeling something emotional? Are there thoughts in my mind that are you know, recurring about a particular image or sound or conversation? Um, and once we start learning those things, it becomes easier to deal with them without using food as part of the equation. So it's a, it's a tricky line to toe when you're writing the book because you don't want to get like overly therapeutic or like, Mm. I don't want to write like an emotion management handbook, but it ends up a lot of the work that I do with clients ends up being kind of in that realm. This is from a, this is from a different part of the book, but I think it may be applicable here is when you're talking about uh, treating yourself and not the, not the shout out, pour one out for parks and rec, treat yourself, but uh, <laughs> hopefully out of George, you've seen parks and rec. No, no, I haven't. Well, if you like fun, you should go check it out. Um, okay. This is about fun. Uh, you say uh, increase other sources of fun and relaxation. Sometimes eating treats is part of a wind-down routine after work, a fun escape on weekends or some, quote, me time at the end of a long day. Reducing the number of treats you consume doesn't mean cutting back on fun or denying yourself much-needed relaxation. If anything, try to find more joy and rest in non-food ways. Choose other activities to relax like taking quiet time with a book, a walk outside, or a conversation with your spouse. If you think none of those would fit in your schedule, remind yourself that if uh, if you would have taken time to eat, you can take a few minutes to care for yourself instead. And this is like, it sounds super obvious for some people. And this is like, like part of what I wrote down, and this is a great thing in my notes app on my iPad, I have like, I think it's like I'm at like 10 pages of notes about this book, but um, I think <laughs> you probably have like 60,000 words of notes on my 80,000 word book. <laughs> Shut up. It's all right. I paid for the book twice. Okay. Um, so the, I think, uh, where did I write it down? I wrote, um, uh, so this is what I wrote. Okay. Like, even if I know, or like for, for people out there, even if you know, if like, this is what you should be doing, like a lot of times what, kind of convinces people or makes a click is when you hear it in a different context and or when you you hear it again like the the whole thing where you mentioned yeah instead of using food for fun make a little bit more effort to have some fun doing other stuff especially like socially or now that like i don't know if people could have heard during the show but the birds are back out it's like the first day where it's actually been 70 here in massachusetts thank god but the take those opportunities to to go outside and find another way 
to have fun, even if it's like taking, you know, for, for me, whenever I have like those ideas of like, oh man, like I could go, you know, get an ice cream now. It's like really nice out or something like that. Or I could, maybe I just really need to like listen to some really good music for five or 10 minutes. And I can get like that same effect of getting really upbeat and being in a really good mood. Um, yeah, it's just a, a hair more effort. <laughs> yeah. Just a tiny, 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 tiny bit more effort. Oh, man. All right. Well, we're, we're, already, we're already an hour. Um, time flies. Time, time flies. flies. Um, when you said, I can't believe it's already 30 minutes. I'm like, that's the fifth time I've heard that today. Because all my client sessions are 30 minutes. <laughs> well, it, the, the, the good thing is that it doesn't need to end here because there's a ton of places where you can get more from Georgie. You can go to Ask Georgie. Dot com. Uh, there, it's a really good portal to, to get access to a bunch of stuff that she has going on. Um, and, and really, yeah, you should be should be going there. You can also, uh, like I mentioned, 48,000 times. Uh, you can go check out Lean Habits uh, on Amazon. You can also, uh, if you're on Facebook and judging by the like 2 billion members that they have on that thing, most people are, you can go to the Lean Habits Facebook. Uh, community, which is a closed group. So you will need to be um, accepted or confirmed to, to get in there. Uh, but once you do, it's uh, a really great community where people are always talking about, and this is why I think it's so great, Georgie, is like you've, you've, you've created a community where people come in and they bring their own stories and they talk about their own situations and how they dealt with that stuff. And like you, you start kind of noticing that it doesn't really matter for the most part what the demographics are of the the people that are are talking or the people that are asking questions like a lot of people really just running into the same kind of human problems and uh it is just a, a huge wealth of of information and motivation because if you do like follow that group the cool thing about Facebook is with those notifications like it like gives you a heads up whenever there's something new posted in there so you can get like one or two or three pieces uh, or times during the day where you can be like, oh, I'm going to go check out, see what's going on in there. And it takes two minutes to read something and see what people are talking about. And then it kind of like resets you or even refuels you uh, in terms of your like your motivation or just your your willpower for the day, getting that. It is, that it is so handy. Just yeah. have like a, a community that's all working on the same stuff, that yeah. we're all human and uh, – yeah, it's uh, it's it's very deliberately cultivated <laughs> to be mm. a certain way. We have a team of moderators. Yes, we check everybody out before we let them in, which is why we have like virtually no. We we have very very rarely have to delete a post, like maybe once a month. Very low butthead count on the on the group. Oh yeah, we have, we have a, a a no mean people policy. Mm-hmm. So there's no trolling. Uh, I ask people not to be sarcastic. If I see someone being sarcastic, I will ask them politely not to be. <laughs> and that's so good because it's the internet because you can't tell there is no context yeah. in text uh, yeah, for, I don't, for I tone. Don't, you know, this is my house and I don't play sarcasm when we're talking about people's feelings and food. It's mm. just asking for hurt feelings. Um, and we we have a high scientific credibility standard. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if somebody goes in there and they're like, hey – you know, take goji berries and you'll, you'll lose weight. Like we're going to take that down. So, so I kind of like it because we can, we can, it's, it's like virtual reality. We can get rid of the bad crap that fills up 
so many Facebook groups where it's like marketers and uh, you know, it's salespeople <laughs> and beach body this and yeah. multi-level marketing and yeah. <laughs> and it's it's good to see like looking at the people that are in this group i see tons of listeners from the show and i see a lot of people in the industry who's uh you know are, who are just amazing people and their opinions that i respect like steve-o and um alan aragon and and of course we mentioned before uh, josh hillis and, and lou schuler and spencer allen and uh just like uh, min armies in there like there's just a, a really great group of of people in there that you can get feedback from and uh yeah i haven't really seen anything anything like it it's it's a really good great group and it's like it's free like you're not going to get charged yeah, to I know. There, so. i'm really not making tons of money off of people if you haven't figured that out yet <laughs> yeah i think i honestly think like the way that i've done everything by making zero money <laughs> Most people like stuff more that way, and then by the time that you actually have something, uh, you know they they know what's up. They know what kind of person you are, and they're they're more willing to help support you. And by the time that this comes out, it's probably going to be something around to be like, "Hey guys, this is a huge thing that I'm working on, and I'm really worried that it's not going to be successful. I could really use your support. This is the time to step up." Uh, yeah. So that would be that'd be cool. But um, I look forward to hearing about your new project. Yeah, it's uh. It's a thing. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Okay. So you're, I'll, I'll just wait until the announcement comes. Well, uh, by the time that this comes out, the announcement will be out. So I'm, cool. I'm actually going to like say at the end of the show, like I'll say it right now, you know, not only should you be checking out Georgie's stuff, but if you enjoy this show, I have this whole network of podcasts for you now. I have this whole lineup of shows that covers uh, great books that people in the industry and myself are reading. We talk about them in our book club. We have this great show called Are We Recording? where I talk to people not only in this profession, but people that are incredibly successful and that are going out and doing amazing things, talking to them about their journeys, their successes and failures and how they dealt with all that stuff. And we also have uh, a great Friday show, which changes from uh, week to week. It rotates between four different shows where it's all about fun. Talking movies with Tony Gentilcore or the return of Back in My Play or uh, just other crazy stuff that happens on Friday. And this is why I'm incredibly stressed out, Georgie, and, <laughs> and worried because this is taking the fit cast. And this is probably going to be the first show where it will actually have been out and announced at this point, but taking this hobby that I've had for the 10 years and starting an LLC, it is now a business. It's now a company called the FitCast Network. So this is uh, when you can now go. And if you want more podcasts from me and the people that you've heard on this show, and also just hitting on a wide range of topics that is all about helping you just have the information and tools that you need from the people that know what they're talking about to have the best life. And I'm stealing that from Brian Patrick Murphy, but basically like whether it be productivity or whatever, just, you know, it's all about giving you the the information. That's what I've always loved doing. So, uh, you can check it out at fitcast.network. Yeah. They're .network, not .com fitcast.network where you can get this show and all the other shows and you can still go to the fitcast.com. But, um, Georgie, so thank you for letting me ramble for a second because I think this will be the first show where I'm actually talking about this stuff, which is Sweet. it's nuts. Yeah, well, I'll drop a bomb too. 
I'm going to be starting a new community with my company, of course, because I can't do anything alone. Yes. We're going to start a new community uh, with different focuses because not, because not everybody yes. is in it for fat loss. Yep. Some people are in it for muscle gain or athletic performance or pregnancy and lactation mm-hmm. or improving their relationship with food. So we're going to have a, a lot more focused options for that. So resources to come. Love it. All right. Well, I mean, people can not only, like I said, go to askgeorgie.com, um, but and and you've been I think you've been doing a pretty good job over the last couple of weeks. You've been you've been on Twitter. You've been doing some stuff. You've been posting some stuff. You've been I'm trying. Doing good. I'm trying. I got a few Instagrams going. <laughs> yeah, you get you got you got the posts going. You got the social media rocking. And uh, on Twitter, you're at Georgie Fear RD. And uh, what are you on Instagram? Same thing. Uh, well, one by one, um, written out. So O N E. Okay. Um. One by one nutrition uh, is the company one. And then I have my own, which is just Georgie Fear. And I never know which one to post on, but I post on, <laughs> I don't post on both of them. So you might as well follow them both if you're going to stalk me. So yeah, Georgie Fear or one by one nutrition. Have you have you done the thing which everyone is telling me and like, like you know, Gary V is yelling at me in his new audio book to, to get on uh, Snapchat? Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm. I think I think I'm too old now. Like, I'm 30. I can't do that. Like, I can't go and do the new social media thing. It sucks. Yeah, I just you know, there's there's a limit. There's only so much Georgie to go around. And right, right now, my clients and my mentorship and my Facebook are getting the lion's share of it. So the fact that I can even like pop my head up on Twitter or Instagram once in a while is like bonus. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm just going to have to let some of the social media networks do their thing without me. Well, don't worry. There's plenty uh, of stuff from Georgie through uh, the various websites. Check out the new stuff that she has coming up and, uh, you know, that's going to do it for, for this episode. So as I mentioned before, uh, it means a lot of people go check out the, the new podcasting network at fitcast.network where you can pick up this show in all the other shows, 10 different shows, I think. <laughs> Hopefully by the time this comes out, it all comes together. Um, but thank you to everyone for, for listening, supporting the show these last uh, 10 years. And uh, Georgie, thank you so much for taking the time to come back on and uh i you know at least i didn't read the whole book <laughs> there's there's still there's still like a good 7500 words that i did not read so okay cool and uh it was a pleasure thank you and i'm sure we'll we'll hook up again down the road absolutely we'll t- you know catch everyone next time take care mm.